Uh, yeah, yeah. We always need a heckler in the crowd, you know. We were, uh, we were at a church a couple of years ago, and someone genuinely stood up and called me crazy in the middle of the preach. I was like, I'm succeeding, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome, man. But, uh, so I'm actually uh, going to be starting a series. I guess this is kind of the pre the precursor to a series on taking thoughts captive. Um, yeah, yeah, because I've really felt um, just a glory on, uh, I think it would be so helpful. And I, I just, Holy Spirit just keeps reminding me of the power. Um, I think just those that really, you know, just seem to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the gospel, the joy, the effortlessness, are those that have uh, just just been ruthless with their thoughts in a sense, kind of your thought life, but not as a work. And so that's why I do kind of want to teach on it a little bit. So it doesn't just become, you know, uh, a work or just something you have to fake, you know, the old fake it till you make it thing. Um, Cause there, there's elements of truth there, but it also can get like unhelpful as well. But, uh, or, you know, so we're not like just repressing emotions or repressing ourselves, you know, um, we want to be authentic and yet live yeah. in his reality. And so, because I mean, how many of us have ever been to a church where it just feels like everyone has the, the smile plastered on, you know? And you're like, uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's just something inauthentic sometimes because we feel like we're supposed to be a certain way. Um, yeah, so anyway, but before we get into, well, I'll, I'll read a scripture, just the one that, that's been, because uh, there's a lot of glory on it, and the taking thoughts captive passage, which is 2 Corinthians 10, 5. But then I'm not actually going to teach on that per se. I want to talk about the joy of Jesus tonight. But from a kind of a context of this scripture, so if you want to turn to it, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And actually, as I was looking at it just again today, I was getting fresh stuff there. And... Uh, I was really enjoying it. So it says, uh, this is in the ESV. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, just looking at that one, because there's, a, you know, there's so much in chapter 10, but I love, um, well, one of the revelations I think a lot of us have gotten in the last few years is that when you hear certain phrases like the joy of the Lord or the knowledge of God, I think there's a time where you know, maybe when you're young in your walk or whatever, wherever you grew up, uh, where it's like the joy of the Lord sounds like something you have to like come up, yeah, come up with or something. The same with the knowledge of God. You know, you hear the old phrase from Tozer. It says like, what a man thinks about God is the most important thing about him or whatever. You know, but uh, this this passage talks about the knowledge of God, and I think a lot of us in the last few years have been refreshed to realize that it's what God knows. Yeah, yeah not how much we know about God or, you know, what we think about God, which obviously there's context with it in which that is important, but all of those things actually flow from what he already knew. And the same with the joy like the joy of the Lord isn't us trying to get as happy as God is. It's why is God so joyful? Like, and so tonight, before we get into, because uh, I think they all like, everything's connected in the kingdom. But before we even start a series on taking thoughts captive, I just want to talk about the joy of Jesus. 
And uh, why is Jesus so happy? What does Jesus know? Um, and is Jesus really that, uh, that joyful? Or, and so, yeah, I just want to talk about the joy of Jesus. Um, last week, I kind of touched on another passage, and we can just go there again, because it was one I was meditating on. My favorite passage of the, the New Testament where you see Jesus actually just rejoicing. Um, let's look at it. What is it? Uh, Luke 10, 20, and 21. Uh, so fun, so cool. I'll, I'll turn, just turn to it in here. Luke 10, 20 to 21. It says, again, ESV here, but uh, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Haha, <laughs> which I think we were doing a little bit of that in the worship there. But verse 21, it says, In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Uh, and it, in studying just the, the Greek behind this and even uh, um, some of the Bibles that have, I know it's like Greek and Aramaic translated back to Hebrew and stuff like that, but one of the one of the translations, I can't remember which one, says uh, Jesus leapt and, and danced or spun around. Like uh, there's this picture in the language there. Um, I think in the Hebrew it was the word gil or whatever. And it was, it's just spinning, almost like a whirling dervish or something, you know. But I mean, I wouldn't take that too far. But <laughs> Jesus is just dancing in the spirit. Like such a cool thought, you know, um, especially if you grew up with just... This picture of Jesus is kind of like a lot of the old movies or whatever, where he's just always stoic. But it says, in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Like, looking at Jesus, like, you know, ha, ha. I just feel like we can give ourselves permission with Holy Spirit to just imagine, like, what that was like and what it is like. You know, when one member of the Trinity is rejoicing in the other member of the Trinity, you know, <laughs> and then thinking about what he rejoiced about, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But I guess, yeah, it, it is pretty much connected. It's, it's just because before we begin to take thoughts captive, we really... We want to know what God knows. We want to see what God sees. We want to be flooded with the knowledge of God. And a lot of times when we think about Jesus, do we, do we see him as, you know, this rejoicing God? Do we, like, have we allowed ourselves permission, especially because of the atmosphere of the day? You know, so many times the atmosphere of the places we go to is just discouragement or complaining or, you know, and it's so easy just to even allow that to affect our spirituality. Um, I think even, you know, because there's suffering in the world, because there's people that are, are struggling, a lot of times we feel guilty, like having a joyful spirituality. Um, we feel guilty and I, or, you know, just it's, it's so easy to let culture dictate what we think is true about reality and and what we think is true about the knowledge of God but 
I believe that the Bible actually paints a different picture. And uh, I just want to give us permission to begin to think his thoughts, like remind you that you already have that permission. And even though people are often going to, you know, I think that I literally think it's just such a common thing. Like when someone gets happy, people feel bad about feeling good or other people want to make you feel bad about that or, or just say it's not realistic, you know, or say it's just not the nature of the world. Like people genuinely think you hear life is a struggle. Like life isn't a struggle. Life is life. Like life equals life. Life doesn't equal struggle. Like life doesn't equal pain. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's very blunt way to put it, but people believe that stuff, you know, right? She say that old poem you hear in school, life sucks and then you die. Right, dude. And we get it, you know, because we do see Jesus, like the Bible at other place calls him a man of sorrows. Um, it says he was familiar with suffering and he entered into our experience. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. He entered into our experience of, of struggle and suffering. That's what happened as a result of the fall or whatever, the, you know. But um, that's why I kind of just wanted to, to just meditate again and just drink of the joy of Jesus Or really just to ask ourselves this question so that we could have permission to freely drink. Like one of the reasons I think people encounter our tribe in different places and they think we're crazy is because a lot of us literally lost the the inhibition of caring about what people think. But also, like we've given ourselves permission to be happy. And I think that is uh, so foreign that it makes you seem uh, uneducated. Uh, Like, uh, you know what's the word, naive, or just out of touch, or crazy, or whatever the word is. And, uh, you know, I think part of this, you know, renewing of the mind or whatever, um, a part of the gospel is just that it's a scandalous good news. And that as we encounter the knowledge of God, that, uh, that we're going to be able to, to, to see what he believes about reality and therefore allow our, ourselves to experience that same thing. And so, so coming back to that scripture, you know, um, it is funny because the, the, in the, in just, be, I'm back in Luke 10 and the verses just before Luke 10, 20, you know, they're out like rebuking demons and stuff. And it's, and it is funny because I think at first when, you know, when you realize that you have authority over that kind of stuff, it is really exciting. Um, but ultimately Jesus is like, you know, I think he's just saying kind of, Ministry isn't really what I'm excited about, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) um, I'm excited about this communion, this heavenly communion, or he says that your names are written in heaven. And I don't think that's like in a way that, oh, look, you barely made it. (laughs) I think he's just, he's talking about the intimacy and the experience of being citizens of heaven, like being a part of this new world. Like, this is what I want you to get excited about, not about ministry or whatever, casting out demons. I mean, and how many guys get stuck at that and that becomes their main focus for years and years. But just to enjoy, really just to enjoy heavenly life, 
you know, to enjoy that communion that we have, to enjoy the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and living. I mean, these are the things that Jesus is saying, you know, he's like, I've been in heaven for for all eternity, and I'm still excited about this, you know? <laughs> he's like, I, I could care less about the demons and all that stuff, you know? That's cool or whatever, but that's, I leave work at work, you know? <laughs> but like... And then it says, at the same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Ghost, which I think that can just become a cliche term, but thinking of one member of the Trinity rejoicing in another member of the Trinity, like, and wow. And I think that's the privilege that we've been invited into in Christ as well. Like, we can rejoice in God. We can rejoice in one another, like the endless depth that we have with one another. But then he says, and I love the last kind of phrase, but He's like, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. And uh, it's just funny because I think this is the drunkest you see Jesus. I, I think if you see Jesus at this point, he's like spinning and dancing and stumbling around. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, he, and this is the one phrase that he says during that time. He's like, I'm just excited, Papa, that you reveal this stuff to the little kids and it's not about becoming geniuses and not about like... The atmosphere of heaven is innocence and purity and childlikeness. And, uh, and this is what Jesus was excited about. And he's excited that it's free and that it's not something you have to gain by education or gain by anything. You're just a child. If you're a child, you're in. And that gets Jesus excited, you know? And we're all little children. But uh, when, we, when we identify with wise and understanding, it's really hard to... Uh, to, to enter the kingdom of heaven, <laughs> at least in our awareness, you know? And so Jesus is getting jacked up on the childlikeness of heaven. And Jesus is a man of joy. Now, I just want to dive into where, you know, for most of you here, this is like obvious, but I am recording it and whatever. It's, I think it's a common like struggle for believers all around the world to wonder if they're allowed to be that joyful or they're wondering if Jesus really like you know I think a lot of people the big thing they're afraid of is I just want balance like I don't want to be imbalanced you know Jesus was joy but he's also sorrow like but in that that passion for balance you know firstly I think it quickly becomes the the wise and understanding you know you try to become like a little too smart for your own good by trying to balance everything. But I mean, balance, just throw the word balance out, man. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like you don't balance truth with lies. You don't balance love with hate. Like that, that might be yin yang or something. That's like, but that's not the gospel. Like the gospel is extravagant goodness. It's good news. And uh, though, though there are like, it says mourn with those who mourn right? It says Jesus was a man of sorrows. There are like, there's a place where if something genuinely like troubling happens, you don't just have to put a smile on your face, you know, like a a loved one dies. I mean, we don't grieve like the world grieves and, and, but it's okay to grieve. And it's totally like healthy to sit with a friend who's struggling and not just say, rejoice, you better rejoice, you know? Although after you're sitting with them for a while and they, you know, I think this is what Jesus does with us. He gains our trust. And then he says, now maybe you'd be open to me leading you into like a happier way of life or a more pleasurable, a more fruitful place of existence. But 
anyway, I'm just like addressing this because we, we get this all the time. Like in, I want to go and share the good news with people, but a lot of people can't even hear it because I'm happy. Like they can't, and it's usually Christians, you know, they're like, these guys are just crazy, man. They're like, you know, and, uh, I just want to lay a foundation to paint a picture and say, what if, you know, we're not crazy. <laughs> what if like being, you know, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore and his presence is the fullness of joy. What if that's normal? Like what if, what if that was where Jesus was at and he was a man of sorrows only in so much as we would trust him if, if we knew that he'd experienced what we'd experienced, you know? What if the, I mean, because look at the end of the story or whatever. The book of Revelation says there's no more tears in heaven. He wipes every tear away from their eyes. And so if this gospel is on earth as it is in heaven, like what, I mean, could we allow it to wipe every tear from our eye even in this life? Or really just to know like that it's normal, not, not in a way where we're forcing ourselves, you better stop crying, you know, grow up, you're a big boy or something. But in a way where we begin to just encounter Jesus, we see his fruit in our lives. And all of a sudden, like, you know, even when crap does happen, like it just doesn't affect you as much anymore. You know, they say most pain in people's lives is self-caused, like it's in your mind. Now, there is real pain out there. This is where I, I think people have misunderstood it because there are some people that kind of just start to get whacked in the spirit and then they're just like, you know, oh yeah, bro, everybody just get drunk. Everything's drunk. You know, it's all, and it's true, but at the same time, like uh, in communicating with people, we do, it, it's, it's so valuable to like meet them where they're at. That's what Jesus does. Um, he doesn't just say like, you know, get drunk or whatever. But, He's bringing us to this place of authentic joy. I really and honestly believe that the culture of heaven is no more tears, maybe tears of, of joy or something like at a wedding <laughs> or just the tears of joy when you experience his presence on a regular basis. But, but, uh, but throwing out this idea of trying to balance like, you know, sorrow with, with, uh, with happiness or something like Jesus was a man of joy. Um, and, and another thing, it was like what I was singing earlier, like as you read the New Testament, though you see places where it's saying like, you know, mourn with those who mourn or, or uh, you know, we don't grieve like those who, who have no hope. Like um, Philippians, for example, when Paul's in prison, you know, Paul has literally had all the worst things happen to him. He's just saying, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And I, I just like, I've found so much wisdom there, man. Um, allowing myself to like really not sink into the circumstances around me, but to know that he doesn't say, you know, mourn, mourn, and again I say mourn, you know. <laughs> like be discouraged, be discouraged. <laughs> And uh, I know some of this is obvious to you all, but it's just so funny, like, how we get, right? But no, literally, I mean, I don't know about you, but, like, I, I spent years in Christianity in circles where it's, like, if they didn't think it was normal, they definitely acted like it was normal to just be kind of discouraged and making it by all the time. And, 
while that's okay, like God's not criticizing anybody if they feel that way, but he just has so much more for us, you know? Uh, he's not like, and, that, and I think that's kind of where the wisdom is for, for us who are starting to get whacked, who are starting to live in heavenly life, who are feeling the, the joy bubble up out of our lives daily is to, to not try to pressure anybody into it, you know, to, to be kind and just, uh, you know, meet people where they're at. But at the same time, don't feel guilty for being happy. Don't, uh, don't buy the lie of balance, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I hear some people say like, well, half of David's Psalms were like depressed, you know? But first of all, we don't live in the Old Testament anymore. <laughs> so I get it. There's depressing stuff in the Bible, but not really in the New Testament. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's just an understanding of where we are in history because people pick one chapter of Lamentations or something and think, Here, here's where we're supposed to live, you know? But you've got to understand that like, well, the nature of God's progressive revelation throughout history is that, uh, you know, he wanted, he, the Old Testament was leading up to Jesus and now we see Jesus and we see what he's unpacked and the revelation that he's brought for us to live in such a way like they used to live pre-Jesus would be a crying shame, literally. <laughs> you know, so, ah. So it, anyways, like, you know, as we move toward this series on taking thoughts captive, I just want to give you permission to feel unashamed about your joy give you permission to, to see the atmosphere of heaven for what it is, to see, because, and, and, and here's the other thing, and some people say, well, yeah, we are in the progressive revelation, and we're not at the end of the story yet, so we can't wipe all tears away or whatever, but uh, I think that's from a place of, of thinking that way more is going to happen in the second coming than in the first. The first coming was way more powerful than what we thought. I think that's a, that's a whole other reality, you know, the word redemption means to be restored. You know, you think of Eden, which is pleasure, and they're put in this garden of pleasure to, be, to live in bliss, and Jesus redeemed, Jesus restored. We don't even know what salvation is half the time. You know, people are like, I don't know, that's just one of my pet peeves or whatever, but Jesus saved my soul. Did he save your soul? That means your mind, will, and emotions are restored to the original intent from the beginning. What? Like, <laughs> You have healthy emotions now. You have, oh man, so much more, amen? <laughs> so much more than we thought. And so this isn't, this, and, and again, I, I want to keep saying this, but it's not a place where you should feel bad about not feeling good or feel good about feeling bad. It's, we just want you to know what you have that you would overflow, you know, that you could, that, and, and you wouldn't feel bad about it if you do. Mm. But yeah, Philippians says, you know, over and over, rejoice, rejoice again. I say rejoice. And, you know, Paul is in prison and they're able to sing songs. I don't think they were just singing out of duty or, well, tonight it's, we're, you know, we're at that time of the church calendar where we're supposed to be singing Psalm, you know, whatever. No, dude, like... Yeah, they, these guys were just drunk, man. That's all. They were whacked because they experienced all the fullness of the Godhead living inside of their bodies. You know, you read their epistles. How could you not be whacked, you know, knowing what these guys knew? 
and seeing God's reality. And so that's ultimately where the, you know, I, I think the fruit, man, of, is when our, our thoughts, we begin to think his thoughts after him. And that's what this taking thoughts captive thing is. You know, I think people that are struggling around the planet, it's when we're, we've adopted other versions of reality other than what God sees, other than what God knows. And so what does Jesus know about reality? Sure, Jesus wept. Jesus mourned with us in our sin, but then he conquered sin and buried it and defeated it once and for all and seated us at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places far above every principality and power, which isn't even what gets him jacked. He's already, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I can't care less about that. But you're in a heavenly life. You're in a heavenly existence. And so this is not a message about trying to make people happy, not put a smile on that face, you know, or, or whatever. It's when you see reality, there is authentic joy. And that is the norm of heaven. That is where we get to live forever. And uh, well, like, yeah, it is, it is so hard to communicate in words, you know. <laughs> but what we've been experiencing these last few years, just basking in his presence. You know, I've had encounters with Holy Spirit where I just feel like I see Holy Spirit like the Energizer Bunny, like so hyper-optimistic, like always filled with energy, never, like the buzz is, uh, like I've had encounters where it's just, you see heaven and it's just colors and light and, and energy and creative power and like, this is that childlike atmosphere. You know, it's like babies being born a thousand times over. You know, it's not a, well, brother, just going to make it to church again. I made it, brother. You know, kid, I got through the week, you know. It's like, dude, I've freaking conquered the week, you know, like by no efforts of my own because I'm like in heaven <laughs> and I'm not ashamed anymore about that. And, and uh I just, man, there are so many depressing theologies that have slipped in, depressing like practices that have slipped into the church, and it just doesn't make sense for a child of God. You know, it just, <laughs> there's so, so many of our songs, man. Christian radio is like, I don't even know, dude. I was about to give up again. You know, <laughs> like, dude, I get it. And that's, you know, that's okay. Like Jesus is like, if that's where somebody's at, there's literally no shame at all because there's no shame or condemnation whatsoever. Uh, but that's not where you have to live forever. You know, that, that may be where you are for a season and a time, but we are declaring the glory of Jesus where a normal overcoming life can be yours. Um, ha. Uh, but, you know, I, I think getting back to, to what God knows, and this is really what the source of our all joy, you know, um, someone can tell you to rejoice all day, but if you don't see a reason to rejoice, then it, it becomes religion, doesn't it? Yeah. But what Jesus knows, and my favorite one, you know, I posted on my Facebook this week, I said, uh, if you're going through awakening and you're not smiling more, you might not be an awakening, you know, because... And then I said, because uh, Jesus has finished the job. And I really think that's, you know, where it stems from. The Trinity had this overflowing joy because there's, they're not threatened whatsoever. 
Like there is not a worry or a care in the world for the Trinity. You know, like everything is taken care of. It's like the old Adam Sandler movie where uh, the old guy says, I just want someone to hold me and tell me everything's going to be all right. <laughs> but dude, that's it, isn't it? Like that's like the Trinity are in an eternal embrace knowing that literally like everything is okay. Like, and I think that's why, you know, uh, the Reformation and a lot of our thoughts regarding hell or penal substitution or all these different pictures actually do matter in the end because a lot of people are just super concerned. Um, well, I mean, we might end up in hell or somebody might end up in hell or, or you know, and I'm not even going to go into all the theology of that, but I think until you can, I mean, you can't rest until you know why the Trinity rests. Like what brings them to that perfect rest is they just know that everything's going to be all right. Because from the beginning, they, they saw they saw it from the beginning. It never got out of hand. Like I think even everything the devil ever did just plays into the hand of God anyways. You get to the end of Romans and it says, uh, from him and to him and th- or th- through him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So it's like God's like, everything was working for your good the entire time, dude. But we lose sight of that and so we lose our joy. And uh, though that may happen and there's no shame about it, again, it doesn't have to be normal. That is not your inheritance. Your inheritance is the right hand pleasures forevermore. The, the eternal pleasures that, what, what Psalm is it says is a river, rivers of delight that flow. Uh, yeah, Psalm 46 says that there's a river that makes glad the city of God. Like, uh, just the picture of, of Revelation, the bride coming down out of heaven. I love how 2 Corinthians 5 and the, the end of Revelation are almost the same language where it says, it is done. Behold, all things are made new. You know, some people are waiting for this great day when that's going to happen, but I believe 2 Corinthians says it's all already been made new. And we just get to live there now. And so, oh man, dude, this is what, I just, I just got my book to go to print this week, High on God, and this is what keeps me high on God, man. <laughs> just knowing that I am in the Trinity who are secure forever in reality. There is not a reason to be concerned. Even the temporary circumstances. See, some people say you need a joy beyond circumstances, and that's partially true, but really, we have a joy based on eternal, unshakable circumstances, don't we? Yeah. Like, it's, I'm not just um, in blind faith choosing to rejoice. No, I'm, I'm rejoicing because it actually is taken care of. Even worst case scenario, like suffering happens in this life. And, and that's, if someone's going through that again, I'm not like downplaying that. But even when those things happen, we have billions and billions and billions of years. You just got to step back and look at the greater picture when our faith will be made sight, when all of these temporal effects of the fall, everybody wakes up to reality. I have a very positive outlook on the future, so I'm able to step back and just put it in perspective. Like these little things are not, I'm not going to let like a few days of challenge like steal my eternal joy, you know, and, uh, 
That's where Paul and Silas are hammered in prison. They didn't know they could have been scheduled to die the next day. They were probably scheduled to get tortured. They'd already been through all kinds of torture. They're stuck. It's probably the, the dankest, most uncomfortable place ever, but they knew something about reality. And, uh, so it's these things, man. It's, it's these things that release a joy. And, and it's like, you know, why do I care about this even? And this is, this is other stuff I go into in my book. But, dude, you just function so much better. I care about people. And people just function so much better in joy. You know, there's all these studies where the brain, uh, the endorphins and the different chemicals that are released are so much more healthy for you. Like your create, creative output is so much better. I mean, your marriage is so much easier when you're already satisfied. You're not trying to get your satisfaction from them. Your relationships flow better when you are not depressed. You know, I mean, it's obvious kind of, but I'm just giving you all kinds of permission and reasons to like allow yourself when, when you start to get lit up by him to not talk yourself out of it, to not let anyone steal it, you know. Who's it say, uh, uh, Paul wrote in what chapter? It's like, let no one rob you of your joy. Yeah. Let no one steal you. Let no one talk you out of it. And that's even in this, this 2 Corinthians 10, it says, every argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You know, People want to argue you out of it. Maybe not in words, but just by the way they look at you when you are enjoying the Holy Ghost. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or, uh, oh, what's the other one? It says... Uh, uh, anyways, not, yeah, just letting no one steal you of your joy. Oh, no, in, in uh, Colossians 2, where it says, you know, human philosophies and human reasonings that try to argue you out of Christ, you know. Um, obviously, you can never be out of Christ, but in your own mind, you just start to kind of water down your experience in life. And so, anyway, uh, there's, there's so much more that can be said about this, but I'll probably just close but I just want to give us permission again and again to experience. In fact, why don't you just put your hands out and just, hey, Lord, we just feel your life. We feel your tangible, uh, extravagant love and joy washing over us and your assurance that everything is going to be all right. We, we rest in it and we, we overflow in it. And we rejoice. We splash around in it tonight that... <laughs> We're in the river of God. We're in the rivers of living water flowing out of our belly, bubbling up. And um, wow, for anybody that just needs a fresh drink, Lord, whoa, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> our awareness of heaven. Let our, let our consciousness be flooded with the thoughts that Jesus was thinking, with what Jesus knows about reality. Hey, that nothing could steal this joy, that nothing could... Uh, in any way hinder or, or talk us out of the experience of life that you have for us, this Zoe life, this God life that you shared, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity past. Uh, and that out of that ecstasy, you created us, Lord. You created us for pleasure and bliss. And even if temporal circumstances may, may for a short time cause inconvenience, but, oh, wow, I'm just reminded of that other passage that says these light and momentary afflictions are yeah. not worthy to compare, right? <laughs> They're not yeah. worth comparing. And yet, how many times have we compared them? Like, well, I know I have the joy, but I also have this problem. 
Listen, that problem is a blip on the radar screen. Like, uh, and in the end, we are not going to complain one bit about all that God did in our lives, you know? Like, there's never going to be a day where we're like, well, God, you really let me down there. You, <laughs> you may feel that for a moment, but when you get perspective from eternity, you'll, we, we'll be like, that was awesome. That opportunity was amazing. I'm so glad I was in that situation. Like, but it's when we see what he sees and, and know what he knows about ourselves, reality, and, and where we're seated that this joy can overflow. So anyway, that's all I got. That's all I got. So good to be together. Any thoughts? Anything you guys have to share? Whoa.